So we're in the hero series. I love this. I love storytelling. I, uh, Jesus was the master storyteller. So we have this passage in Hebrews 12, right after the Faith Hall of Fame in chapter 11. And he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, Hebrews 11, or 12, 1 and 2. And so this whole premise of what we're doing is based upon this, this thing as, what if Abraham ran a lap around our race that God marked out for us? And he said, I got a piece of advice for you, son, and here's what I would tell you. Simple obedience. This is what I would want you to do. Just simply, when God says it, you do it. Joseph takes on, and he comes up next to us as we're trying to figure out our life. And he says, you know what, I know it's getting tough. What I would tell you is this, don't give up. Never, ever give up. Moses takes on and he comes right beside us. And now Moses is saying, listen, nothing in your life, nothing out there is greater than the presence of God. You keep fighting. If the presence of God isn't going, you don't go. If he ain't there, don't go. And now we come to Rahab. A very short, very short little blurb in the Bible, and many people miss it, and what she is going to teach us today is your past does not define your future. So if you've walked down a road where you have made some mistakes in your past, and you feel like the past just keeps following you, we're going to get out of this. We're, we're, we're done with that. So today, your past does not define your future. As you see that there's a road in this picture Every day you're going to be faced in your life with crossroads, a decision that will go this way or it will go that way. What we want to do is stay on the narrow path that Jesus has laid out before us. So the story comes out of the book of Joshua. Following Moses, Moses was the greatest leader that Israel had ever had. He, was, he got them out of Egypt. He led them across the desert, through the, through the Red Sea, through the desert, up, uh, past the mountains, in, and up to the promised land. Joshua was the one chosen to take them over into the promised land. As they come to their first obstacle um, in the promised land, they come to this fortified major huge city, Jericho you got a bunch of guys that don't have any kind of real weapons. They don't have, they don't, they don't have uh, catapults. They don't have horses. They don't have a way to do this. And so God says, we're going to take the biggest, baddest city first. Isn't that how God works in our life? He says, I'm going to deal with the biggest, baddest problem, and everything else is going to be easy after this. We're going to knock out Goliath, then we'll destroy the army. We're going to take down Jericho's mighty walls. And then everything else is going to fall into place. You see, I love how God just comes in and says, let's take care of the biggest problem you got, then you'll trust me through all the problems you have. Come on, that was good stuff. Just, that, was a, that was a God thing, it just popped right in there. So anyways, I, I hope you wrote it down because I don't even remember it. So in Joshua 2, they're coming up to this. So, so Joshua's now sending out spies to check out Jericho. So when they get there, so Rahab the first thing that she would tell us as we're running this lap with her is everyone has a past. Everyone has a past. Every one of us in this room has done something in their life they're not proud of. Amen? We are all, we all have something we wish we didn't do. If you don't, 
you're probably lying or you're one of the little babies. They haven't had time yet. Just give them a couple of years. Most of us, and if you haven't done something you regret, just give it a little bit more time. Because every one of us has a past. Every one of us has done things that we're not proud of. So here's the deal. Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. They go over the land, he said, and especially to Jericho. So they went and they entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. One of the things that I want to bring out is this. When you do something long enough, you'll be known by it. She was not known... What was she known by? She was known by being a prostitute. They entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab. Her sin preceded her. She was known more by her sin than any other thing. See, if we live in our sin and let it entangle us long enough, that's what you'll end up being known by. Some of us maybe have already found that true. We've walked down a road long enough and now people see us before the changes that have been made. A lot of you had, this is a a past tense for you, but there's some of us that have walked down the road of addiction and we were known as an addict. We walked down the road of, of being an alcoholic and people began to know us as an alcoholic or you were an angry person always yelling and screaming. Maybe you're a parent and you can't keep your tongue under control and now your kids, they know you by your mouth, not by your actions, right? You see, all of us have this past and all of us have these things that we've done long enough that people start seeing that instead of seeing us. That's what we're going to work on today, amen? That's why this time is so important and so vital to buckle in and listen. When you do sin and you live in it long enough, you begin to be known by it. And we live in a culture that loves to look at the bad rather than the good. We live in this world that loves to pick on the sin in your life and then put that as your label. But Rahab would also tell us in the same moment, you have a choice. In the present tense. So we're looking at past, present, and future. Those are the three tenses that you deal with in the English language. The past, the present. So I have a past, but in the present I have a choice. I have a past, but in the present I have a choice. You always have a choice in the present. You never, that choice is never taken from you. You always have a choice. So the king of Jericho, he was told, look, some of the Israelites came, have come here tonight to spy the land. So the king of Jericho sent a message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. She has a choice right now. The king, on one hand, is saying, you tell them who's in your house, you bring them to us. Or she can hide them. That's the two choices. I can bring them out, or I can tell him they're in my house right now, or I can hide them. One or two directions. You see, you can't make choices in the past because it's your past. See, a lot of us want to go back and change. Have you ever noticed that when you go back, you can't change? I can't change what I said five minutes ago. I can't do it. 
You can't change the past. You can't make choices about your past. All you can do is make the choice at the present and move forward. You can plan a future, but you can't make choices in the future because it hasn't came yet. So I can't make choices in my past because it's already past. And I can't make choices in my future because it hasn't come. So in the present, I only control that. I only have the choice in the here and the now. You evaluate and learn from your past, but we're not meant to live there. Now, I'm going to talk a lot about that at the very end. I'm going to leave that for then. So let's continue in our story. So here we go. So she has this choice that's before her. She's, the king is like, I, I, I'm, he, he sins. So this is a real thing. So what happens if she rebels against the king? She could get killed for that. They could kill her. They killed people for a lot less. The woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gates, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. As soon as the pursuers had gone, the gate was then shut. The choices you make in the present will directly affect your future. You see, whatever choices I'm making, right, wrong, or indifferent, these choices will impact what's about to happen. The choice I make now is going to, hap- is going to affect this. Parents, if you have children, the choices that you make as a parent directly affect your children. Children, the, 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 the decisions that you do now are going to affect what happens to you. Whether you get your hiney blistered or not, So the choices we make now in the present will always have an impact on my future, my coming future. Now here's the deal. These choices, the good choice places God at the center. A good choice, the good choice in God, I'm here in in the present, I'm going to make a choice now. And that choice, when the choice is centered on God, it's going to be good. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Our prayer team, as they went onto the scene yesterday to pray, the devil sure knew that Living Water was coming down there to pray because he made sure he sent some people to harass them. He didn't say it was going to be easy, but it is going to be good. God is good. Everything that's good comes from God, right? So my good choices place God at the center. So listen to her reply. Before the spies laid down, so she hid them. They're staying all night. She hid them, and as, uh, before they laid down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, "I listen to this, I know, you hear this? I know that the Lord has given you this land. How does she know? She doesn't know who God is. Think about it. She's not following the Jews around, but she has heard of what their God is doing. Have you ever realized that your God precedes you? He's going before you. Isn't there a song that we sing about going before us and behind us and all around us? God is going before you. And when God's going before you, everyone else can see what God is doing. Come on now. Right? 
I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that we all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard. You see that? We, he's preceding them. See, this is, see, here's the Israelites. They're afraid because they're small in stature. The Israelites were afraid to cross over the Jordan and fight with these people because they're like, we are like grasshoppers to them. We're small. They're big. They're giants. They're like Goliath. We're small. And here's how the Lord is giving them courage to fight this battle. She says, we have heard how the Lord, not how... How the Lord, you see that? How the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and the earth below. How amazing is that? Here's a person who had never been introduced on a personal, relational level to God, and she already knew it. The Lord, your God, He's God of everything. We know that the, the God we've been worshiping can't defeat Him. So here's the choice that she made. I can turn on these guys, but we already know that their God has given them this land. So I can put myself at the mercy of their God, who I really hope will take me and I can be, and he can be my God too. Doesn't he do that to all of us? You met somebody along the way, you were lost, and, and you didn't have a God in this world, and you ran into somebody, and you're like, wow, that person has God, and you start recognizing God in them, right? You say, whoa, you have a God in your life. I want him to be, you think it's possible that your God would want me? Yes, he does. I love it. As she, the choice that she made, she already made the choice. She hid them. Now, you see why. Because God was at the center of her choice. And I want you to see the next part. Good choices will also be a blessing to your family. Now then, she continues, please swear to me by the Lord. Because she knows who he is. Not on that personal level yet. By the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I've shown kindness to you. That's what she's saying. It's like, listen, I recognize that your God is the God of everything. I'm with you. I hid you. I know that this land's coming. Now please show me kindness for I showed you kindness. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and my sister, and all who belong to them. That you will save us from death. Isn't that pretty amazing? She right now is most concerned about my mom, my dad, my brothers, and my sisters. Right? Would you please, please swear that you won't kill them when you come and take, we know you're taking this land. We know that God has given it to you. Please. Our lives, they said, for your lives, the men assured her, if you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives When what? The Lord gives us the land. See, it's still all about God. God is at the center of all of this. We know that God gave you the land. They're like, yes. And when he does, we will show you kindness. 
I look at this and I was like, wow. <laughs> if she would have turned them into the king, what would have happened to her and her family? They would have been destroyed. You see, I want you to understand the choices that you make in the present will have an impact on your future. And when God has given you authority, fathers and mothers and husbands and wives, when God has given you authority in your life, your decisions affect those under your authority. Hmm. Now what's amazing as we continue here, so when she surrendered her life <laughs> to the one true God, everything changed in her life. I want you to think about this. At some point, she recognizes, okay, your God is the God of all heaven and all earth. She's already recognized that. She already believes this now. In this moment where she is, she had that moment of where the choice, the king says, hey, uh, bring them out. This is that moment, the present, in that present moment, she had a choice. Am I going to continue to be Rahab the prostitute? Or what if this is the moment that I can, that everything can change in my life? What if this is the moment that everything changes? And what if in this moment I put God before me? And I put God before all of these other things. And I put God first. Well, in this moment, it, her life changed, her future changed, and in the end, she made the Hall of Fame. This is Rahab, a former prostitute, not even a Jew, made the book of Hebrews in the Faith Hall of Fame. And here's the deal, Joshua didn't. Joshua didn't make the Hall of Fame. And the prostitute did. When, she, when, when Rahab says your past does not define your future, she means it. Because it's true. Here's a former prostitute right here. By faith, the walls of Jericho. It didn't say by faith, Joshua. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after an army. Not after Joshua. After the army had marched around it for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab. It's amazing when you start looking at Hebrews 11 and you see all of these major huge names, Abraham, Moses, you see Noah, you see all of these men of God, you see David, and then you see Rahab. That past that you keep running back to regretting and you keep allowing to affect your life, it didn't have to. I want to show you something else. As we, as we really make sure that we understand what she's teaching, your past does not define your future. Because if it did, we would not have a Savior born in the line of David. Do you hear me? If your past defined your future, Jesus would not have been born in the line of David. Check this out. All these highlighted are the big names that you should recognize, or most of them. Abraham. Okay, this is the lineage leading up to King David. Fourteen generations listed right here. Fourteen generations. Abraham lied about his wife twice. Oh, she's my sister. You can have her. 
twice because he was afraid that when they went into Egypt one time, well, man, that Pharaoh, he's going to find her attractive and he's going to kill me. So, honey, just tell him you're my sister. That's going to be good. Twice the first time. You thought you would have learned the first time, so Abraham lied twice. Also had a child, not by his wife. Not a perfect guy. Jacob, who his name was changed to Israel, had these 12 sons that represented all the tribes of Israel. Swindled his father-in-law out of almost all of his goats. Act deceitfully and tricked him. He tricked his brother, sold his brother a bowl of soup for his inheritance. I'm wondering, these, like, if you're hungry, you should just give your brother a bowl of soup. But he looked at this going, you know what, I can get something out of this. I'm going to swindle him out of his inheritance. I'm going to swindle my father-in-law out of his goats. I'm going to... And then he ends up sleeping with a woman who wasn't his wife. Tamar treated her like a prostitute. Through her, that's the, the name Tamar there, she actually had a lot of honor, more honor than Jacob, and confronted him, said, you did this to me. Here's a child. Judah. Judah, we know as the most strong and large tribe of all Israel. And yet Judah was the one who wanted to kill his brother Joseph and sell him into slavery. Or wanted to kill him, then sold him into slavery. So far, not a great track record of all the people that we would recognize the most. Am I right? Then we see Rahab. I had underlined her. We already know her story. But here's the interesting thing. Rahab, 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 she's not Jewish. Huh. Where did she live before she met the Jews? Jericho. She's not Jewish. How in the world is she in the line of Jesus? How is she in the lineage of King David? Because your past doesn't define your future, that's why. She is the mother of Boaz who you find this great, amazing story of Boaz in the book of Ruth. Ruth was also mentioned in this lineage. And she's not a Jew. She was a Moabite. She had lost her. Her husband has died. She refused to go back to her people, refused to go back to their gods. Instead, she says to Naomi, her mother, she says to Naomi, she goes, you are my family. Your God is my God. Then God gave her a husband named Boaz. See, Rahab is the great-grandmother to King David. Come on now. Ruth, a Moabite woman, is the grandmother to King David. King David, he was known as the man after God's own heart. And yet... He committed adultery with Bathsheba. She got pregnant. Then he decided he was going to kill her husband, which he did, and then married her as an additional wife to his wives, plural. And yet, he still becomes known as a man after God's heart. I'm not going to talk about King David today because he's a part of this hero series. 
But that's not really that good of a track record either, either, is it? When you start thinking about what King David did, like that is pretty despicable. David, you're kind of a turd. I mean, right? Uh, am I the only one thinking that? <laughs> Pastor Paul's laughing like I'm not supposed to say that. Is turd a bad word? Eh. James? Kind of just depends. Turd. David was a steaming pile of poo. Let's just be honest, all right? Is that, is that better? Cow dung. He was like a pile of camel. They wouldn't even ca- camel dung on the side of the road with some dust on it and maybe a footprint. They didn't wear covered shoes. It was probably right between the toes. Just, just helping you out. All right, wrap it up. Okay, so I got my front row to help me out derailed. So, so King David made a ton of mistakes, and yet what happened is when he realized his mistakes, he wrote some of the most beautiful psalms of repentance. He talked about how despicable he was, and how far he had fallen, and how badly he was in sorrow about it all. And God restored him. Because why? Your past doesn't define your future. His son son Solomon was the daughter of, you see how that says Uriah's wife didn't even call her Bathsheba. She didn't even get her name here in this part of the Bible. King Solomon, we know him as the wisest king. And yet, in the end of his life, he got so derailed in his faith. For being as smart as he was, he was pretty dumb. In his later years, he chased after a bunch of women that... He had enough wives, but he didn't have enough, I guess. He said he had over 900 concubines. These are women that he didn't marry. They just had on the side. And it said that he started worshiping their gods. He got derailed. He got unfocused. What I'm wanting you to understand is then he wrote this amazing little book right at the very end of his life called Ecclesiastes. It was the... the, he talked about how he hated life and how he tried all these things and he'd done all these things and he'd done all these things and he wasn't happy. And then finally at the end of his life, he goes, wow, I missed the whole point. To fear God. To fear God was the whole point. And, he, and at the end of his life, came right back around. What I'm wanting you guys to understand here. Rahab didn't continue the life of prostitution because she ended up getting married and having a child named Boaz. There was a point in her life that she said, okay, I'm done with this and I want to move forward. This may be one of those absolute, most amazing truths that we can find in the Bible Because I believe that so many of us get stuck on our past or stuck in the past. Has anybody ever struggled with that? You made a mistake and you just can't get out of the past. How many of you have pitched your tent in the past and just kind of live there sometimes from time to time, just living in your past mistakes, right? So I want to I want to I want to share some some helpful truths to get out. Your past can help shape your present okay it can help and it can help identify who you are and help where you're headed okay but I need you to understand this 
Your past is a place of reflection, not a destination of residence. So our past shapes our present, okay? So this is what it does. So it's natural. It is very natural to use our past as a point of reference, okay? I did this. It didn't feel good. I don't want to do it again. It's like if you put your hand on the stove and it burns, you're like, whoo, that's hot. I don't think I want to do that again. If you, if you do that again, <clears throat> you got burnt again. I mean, you know, so... Also, the choices that we make today are often influenced by your past. So there's a lot of choices that you're making today that are influenced by your past. And if you're using healthy judgment to guide our choices, right, then the past regrets, mistakes, and pain are used as markers to not repeat, right? So when I did that, it didn't work. I don't like that. And, and it would be like an addiction, right? If, I, if, I was adi- if I'm struggling with an addiction, I, I don't like that. I don't want that. So what do I do about that? Okay, well, when I did that, that definitely triggered it. It did not work. I, so what we're doing is we're, we're learning from the past to not repeat it, right? But we can also do that so much that it becomes also unhealthy. Because maybe, has any of you ever had some unhealthy relationships? So then what happens is because of our past unhealthy relationships, then all of a sudden I could begin to implement all types of things where I don't enter into any healthy relationships or any relationships at all. Because of that past, all these mark I've put so many markers in the past and I'm just doing this. And then I don't really jump into this at all because I'm so worried about this happening again. So guys, they're markers. I don't live here. I don't want to be there. I'm going to learn, okay, I'm going to try not to do that again, but I want to live, I want to move forward with my life. Many people, unfortunately, far too many people, the past is seen not as a place of reference, but a place of destination, right? Too many people are living there, and pain in your life has a way of making you feel stuck. Am I right? Sometimes you have some extreme pain from your past and you just feel stuck. And, and that emotional pain, then, it, then, then what we begin to do when that emotional pain comes into our life, we begin to think back when we were happier. Come on, right? I've got emotional pain right now, so I want to think back to a time when I was happier. So then what do we try to do? We try to go back to the place where we felt like we were happier. I want you to understand something about your feelings. They are the greatest deceivers you'll ever have. Your feelings lie to you quicker than anything else in your life. Let me give you a great example. A lot of churches try to live in their past. Uh, My wife and I... uh, we, we've served for, what, 23 years now as, as pastors. We've been here uh, a little over 11 now. And, um, and so for, for still more than half of, uh, of the ministry that God's called me to, I were, was at a lot of churches that were, were dying. They were, they were dying. They were churches that did not look like they were going to make it very much further. And I spent a lot of time in churches that were dying. And they all had something in common. 
They all had something in common. I mean, there's probably multiple things that they had in common, but I can tell you one thing that every one of them had in common. They were all living in the past. Well, we used to do it this way. Remember when they used to show up? You remember when, when we had revival and people used to come? You remember back in the days, back in the day, back in the day. Well, you're not living back in the day. You're living here. And over and over and over we watch churches die and die and die and die because they didn't want to leave the past and have any kind of a future. You learn from your past mistakes, yes. You celebrate past victories, yes. But you don't live there. You don't desire to go back there. We don't want to go back there. I want new memories. I want new victories. I want new mistakes. All right? I want to make some mistakes that I haven't thought of yet. Maybe I'm the only one, but if you take up residence in your past, you'll find yourself spending all your time, what, dwelling on the past. And then you know what's going to happen in your life? Stress, anxiety, depression, insomnia, obesity, anorexia, exhaustion, all seven of these things often come from dwelling on our past regrets. Holding on to my past regrets. It's like that country song, What Might Have Been. Don't worry about what might have been. Let's do something now. Okay? If you don't leave your past in the past, it will destroy your future. Live for what today has to offer, not what yesterday has taken away. Right? Right? Come on, there's some things yesterday, your yesterday has taken away from you, right? There's some things that you've lost. I get it. I get it. That's why this is here. But here's the deal. Start living today. For what you don't even, it's, there's something right out there. There's something right out there. Man, listen to this. Every second you spend dwelling on the past is a second of your present that you're missing out on. Come on now, Right? Every second you spend dwelling on your regrets is another second wasted that you'll never have in your future. Guys, haven't we wasted enough time on our past? Haven't we wasted enough time on the mistakes that we've made? Here's what I love about God. The moment that I come and I repent to him, what I love so much about God is this. He says, he remembers our sin no more. He says, he says our sin has moved as far as east is from west. I don't know about you, that's a far way, right? He says he makes us whiter than snow. He cleans us again. So here's the deal. If you're still dwelling on a past sin, stop it. All right? Do I need to tell you guys my, I, I'm a, I'm a one-trick pony when it comes to, uh, to, to counseling. There, there, it, it, it works every time. It takes about five minutes. You come in. Somebody says, uh, I have a fear of being buried alive in a box. I'm like, well, okay, so have you ever been buried alive in a box? Well, well no. Okay, well, so stop it. The word stop it. That's the counseling. Stop it. Right? All right, counseling's over. Stop it. Well, and the person says, well, I have other issues. Okay. I keep getting into bad relationships. Do you like being in bad relationships? Well, no, stop it. And then the person usually about that time says, well, I really don't like how you're talking to me right now. I got a couple more words. We're going to add to the ones that was, stop it or I'll bury you alive in a box. <laughs> I think we cleared it all up, right? I mean, here's the thing, guys, is, is 
that we allow our past to just have a control on us. Yeah, you've sinned. Yeah, you've fallen short. We all have a past. Let's get past the past so that we can have a future. Listen to this. Your identity, okay? So we talked about how your past can help with that, okay? It does have an impact on your identity, but it shouldn't become your identity. The problem that I have with a lot of recovery programs are like, hi, my name is so-and-so, and I am an addict, or I am an alcoholic, or I am, you know, grief, or I'm angry, or I'm a control freak, or, you, you know, you, you, a lot of those programs, I'm, I'm glad that our program does not do that. That's why Holly was quick to say, I'm a child of God. Um, your identity shouldn't be from your past sin. It should come from who God says you are. Now listen to me. You know who God says you are? He says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on, right? I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't say that. He did. You are fearfully and wonderfully. And in fact, the very next verse under that, that's in Psalm 139 if you want to go look it up. You are a marvelous creation. Marvelous. So he says you're marvelous. He says you're wonderful. He says you're loved. And he says you're chosen. He says you're adopted. He says you're redeemed. He says you're chosen. He says you're forgiven. I mean, we could go on and on and on and on about who God says you are. So maybe it's time for me to say, God, I accept that. There's a big difference between believing something and knowing it and accepting it. How many of you knew that? You've heard that before, that you're loved and you were fearfully and wonderfully made, that you're a marvelous work of God, that, that you're chosen and you're loved and you're redeemed. Like, we know that, right? We know that. But how many of you have truly accepted it and said, yes, I accept that? Huh? But what happens is, well, God, you don't know what I did. Yes, he does. God knows exactly what you did. And he got over it. Maybe it's time for you to do the same. He let it go. He wiped it away. He took that sin and threw it away. He didn't throw you away. He threw it away. And maybe it's time for you to say, yes, I want to be your child. Yes, I accept your love. Yes, I'm loved. I am marvelous. I'm created. I'm wonderfully made. I'm redeemed. I'm righteous. I'm justified. Maybe it's time for you to start calling yourself out for what God called you. Now check this out. Alicia's favorite per verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans. See, God, even though this is spoken for Israel, this is not only for Israel, it's for everyone. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for every one of you. God knows the plan he has for you, I promise. He has a plan, and the plans are to prosper you, it is a, to, to, to not harm you, to give you a hope and a future. That's a, God, God has a plan for your life. That plan is in the future. He wants to give you a what? A future. But you can't grab the future if you keep running to the past. Am I right? I want you to bow your heads this morning. I want you to think about this real hard right now. I encourage you guys not to run out of here during the invitation, as some are in the habit of doing. One of our, our youth today are going to be baptized. And so I want to make sure that we're celebrating with them.
Church doesn't officially end until after the last song, not during the last song, after the last song, just saying. <clears throat> so, heads bowed. I want you to ask yourself this question. Am I missing out on the future that God has for me because I'm dwelling in the past? How many of you would slip up your hand and say, I have spent way too much time lately in the past. Right now, I'm spending too much time in my past. So let's do this, guys. Guys, we've already spent a ton of time at this altar. Man, I'll tell you what, the presence of God is all over this place. I want you, if, 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 you, if, you're, if you're wrestling with that past, Maybe that past is giving you insecurities. That past has really been, been hitting you and knocking you down and maybe telling you that you're not worthy of forgiveness or maybe it's trying to tell you that you're somebody that, that God didn't say. I want you to bring that past. I want you to drop it off right here. Just, just bring it here and leave it. We learn from it, but we're not going to dwell on it anymore. If any of you here today are like, man, I, I needed this. I needed this word today. I needed to know that God has a plan for me. He has a future for me. I, I'm so glad that, that, that Rahab taught us that our past doesn't define our future. If that past has been getting in the way, right now, come. Right now, come and drop it off. Drop it off. I don't need that past. I'm not going to be defined by my past sin. Whatever it is, leave it right here. Come on. Come on. There's like 20 of you that raised your hands and now all of a sudden we're getting scared. Come on, we're not scared. Uh-uh. We're dropping it off. We're moving. We're saying making a change today, today, in the present moment you have a choice. In this present moment you have a choice. I am not living by my past mistakes anymore. They don't define me. My God does.